I don't know, man. I mean, like, maybe I should just put y'all on the team because we, we got some chemistry going on. So I got Virginia and I got Val back with me for round two. Hey. All right. Now. I mean, I assumed I was on the team. I don't know. I put myself <laughs> on. I was like, you going to need me. I mean, I figured I was a guest, but I was like, I'm, I'm oh, happy to come back anytime. I mean, I guess, you know, until we can figure out exactly how to incorporate Earl into this, seeing how he's the only person that's in Florida, Orlando. You know what I'm saying? The mythical. Uh, yeah, I Does guess. Does he exist? We don't know. I guess. But, you know, I'm I'm ready. We're ready to get this. Uh, we're ready to get this popping right now. I got my Red Bull and I got my two honey buns. I just have water. <laughs> I drank my water. So I, have <laughs> I mean, honey buns, Red Bull, can't tell a nigga nothing. All right, so we're actually gonna get into a, a different a different topic today, and we actually, I I called Virginia earlier this week, and I was just telling her how I wanted to do something based off of millennials because there's just like so much data info out there, and I don't even really know if we can actually project this entire episode correctly because there's just so much that you can kind of dive into and go into like different tangents, but I don't know where do y'all want to start on millennials. I mean, we lit, right? That's uh, that's a loaded that's a loaded topic. It's a loaded topic, it's, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like, where do you begin? I, you know, I'll say I feel like in general, millennials get so much flat. Yeah. I feel like we get so much hate. Everyone has something to say about us. We the controversial <laughs> generation, you know. But, we're definitely. I think people think that we're actually entitled. Yeah. And that we ex- and we expect to get results versus actually working for things because. I don't know why we have technology. We have all these different advancements that, well, when I was when I was your age, I had to walk 15 miles to get to school, and you know how to go outside and pump the water, and you know we only had one TV, and we didn't have a a a, a, a chat snap or any of that other stuff. We were putting filters on there, and well, you know what? I struggle with that too because I feel like we were just having like a conversation about that a little bit earlier. It's like. You know, whenever we have conversations about millennials and, like, how entitled we are and, and, like, how, you know, we have such magical thinking and we, like, came out, you know, came out the gate expecting things to just work for us and, like, all these things that, like, you know, let's be real, like, boomers contend that we are all about, which I don't necessarily think is true. It's, like, a lot of that stuff actually starts with, like, the programming and the messaging that we received from young. So it's, like, yeah, we want to talk about how, like, millennials are, like, we're so entitled and we think that like we deserve to be praised for everything but like we also grew up in a society where like that was what was valued everything was about giving kids prizes for like everything we didn't tell y'all to do that to us <laughs> you know what i mean we didn't tell y'all to tell us like go to school go to college get it and then you're going to get a good job like so you set these expectations for us and then you mad like when we actually have these expectations. So it's like I, I struggle with that because sometimes I'm like, OK, that's fine. You can say I'm entitled. You can say I'm arrogant. Um, but at the same time, I'm also like I did the work that y'all said you had to do to get where I needed to get. And unfortunately, y'all have not acknowledged how society has shifted. And now what I was supposed to air quote. Gang, get, gang. No, sorry. <laughs> you know what I was supposed to air quote get is no longer on the table for me anymore. Like, let's be real. Let's have a real conversation around that. Well, let me go ahead and uh, jump right in after that. I think you said a mouthful. You basically <laughs> encapsulated everything. But hold That's on. always like my main argument. I just have one question. Let's see what's left. Virginia, did you actually send her that article that I sent to you? Because that would actually been perfect for what she just said because no, I did it because I already knew that Valerie already I'm very passionate is the about article this, this, this like I Valerie already has every the time words. we have this conversation yeah. I say pretty much the same thing you know um, because I have a, I have a very dis, very strong and very distinct position on these things mostly because it's like I was in, I was you know <laughs> confronted oh. with some of these conversations like out the gate and you know I'm gonna just address what's happening in the sidebar so if you're hearing crack brandon is trying to very discreetly eat his honey bun <laughs> it's okay brandon honey buns is like what i usually get at nighttime nine to like That's midnight the fuel source i get honey buns so much they know me like you know the bodega dude be like yo hey how you doing buddy i get the i get the honey buns i've actually got away from soda so we're we're, we're progressing but just you put them in the microwave for about 20 seconds 
let them get lukewarm. It's a situation. Can't tell a nigga nothing. It's a situation. I mean, maybe that's one thing that they could say about millennials. We do eat out a lot. We do like our convenience foods a lot. Music festivals you know, too. We love our convenience foods. We, we spending money that we don't. We spending money that we don't have. Love. We be spending money that we don't have. On avocado toast and, you know, shit like that. Okay. Instagram be making a nigga go broke real quick, okay, right? Okay, I'm going to jump in on the avocado toast. So I used to judge, you know, about avocados and toast. But actually, it's quite delicious. Avocados, man. <laughs> I don't do avocados, so. I will put you on. We'll have that total other discussion See, but later. my thing is I'm biased. So whenever we have the conversation about avocados, everybody's like team Haas all day, every day. And I'm just like, nah, y'all need to go sit somewhere with that. Because I grew up on Florida avocados. As a Floridian, I'm a diehard Florida avocado person. That's almost saying like oranges up here (laughs) taste like shit, right? So people are, yeah, it's like, I don't know, like, well, to me, I, I'm just like, you can't compare the two. Now, I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for that because Haas avocados seem to be the thing for everybody else. But if we're going to talk about avocados, we're talking about Florida avocados. Right? By the way, I tagged you in the last Instagram post, so that means they can find you. I'm saying. I'm just saying. I'm saying. It's okay. It's all right. Because we mentioned a few things here. <laughs> I personally don't have a strong enough opinion on Haas versus Florida avocados. And I also don't have a strong enough opinion on... You know, oranges, New York oranges versus Florida oranges. Because why they get are the oranges, oranges from us? But why are the oranges so expensive in Florida? How you the orange? I don't Orange County. That. How I live in Orange County while I was in Orlando, Capitalism. and oranges in Orange County were Capitalism. ridiculously expensive. See, I don't expensive. think I ever really paid that much because two dollars per orange. My this uncle worked. For, he works for Tropicana, so anytime he would come and stay with us, we would always get just boatloads of Tropicana Boatload. juice. Yeah. And then my grandma in Jamestown, she has um, she has orange trees. Yeah. And she's older, so she doesn't eat all that. Like, we usually, we have bags. We just go and pick them off the tree. In, like, South Florida, though, because, like, I had the same thing. Like, growing up, I had orange trees in my backyard. Like, a lot of my friends had orange trees in their backyard. But what the city did over time, this is this is nothing to do with millennials. So we're going to get back on track after this. But, like, you know, what the city did over time was that they, they said that there was, like, this citrus rot situation some citrus disease and they like cut down like all the orange trees in the neighborhood like and the thing is like the homeowners had no choice in the matter because it was like a city ordinance thing so they i probably remember replaced that, it. Like, they probably replaced it somewhere else where they can make a profit off of it i don't know all i know was they they cut down people's tr- orange trees in their backyards and like the smart people like my parents just saved the seeds and then replanted it i'm saying y'all not but, coming like, to my backyard the city came and like cut yeah cut our trees down because might be some furniture moving inside and outside <laughs> the house <laughs> Woo. That's hilarious. Anyways, yes. but oranges and millennials, right? To bring back, <laughs> to bring it back to um, a couple of the points that Val had about you know millennials being criticized so much, but then we kind of were set up in a way. And this is not me trying to take away out. I'm just trying to shed some real light on some of the things that Valerie has said. I mean. I grew up in the 90s, and in the 90s, it was like, the world is great. You're great. Everything's going to be great. Life is wonderful. You could be anything you want to be, which is true. However, I feel like I was not set up with the proper expectations. And honestly, how could they set us up with the proper expectations? I don't think our parents really predicted like this decline that we we're going to have to go through. And I also right. don't think that they properly adjusted, kind of as you said, adjusted their expectations with the times right you know they're still it's like 20 years later you know we're, we're in college and you're still giving us what worked for you 20 years ago you right. have to catch up your expectations right. because when i got out of college you know with my four-year degree there was no money out here <laughs> for <laughs> your girl especially what that do? psych major Not okay <laughs> what that do four years oh that's a piece of paper mm, well we want you to get a master's now i'm sorry honey back to the grind for you baby Man, <laughs> right it was so, I, and you know, I think a part of the, and you also mentioned about millennials being viewed as entitled. I think a lot of it stems from how we just don't want to, like, we want to work smarter. We understand hard work, but we want to be able to work smarter. And that I feel like we're entrepreneurs with our generation because you kind of have to be. Well, yeah, yes, exactly. We have to, you have to our work smarter. Is inherently more entrepreneurial like, than our than our parents. Yes, we have to work. Ten jobs. You don't have a choice. We literally have no choice. Under and over the table, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, my, my, like, all my money is over the table because I don't want IRS. I don't want those problems. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm saying I don't got it. I'm letting y'all know right now. I don't got it. 
Hey, they accepted my tax return. We good. Okay, that's what I'm saying. I paid. All right. Uh, TurboTax? I paid up. Credit card. But anyway. (laughs) No plug, but you know. But yeah, I mean, I struggle with all time because like I know, like individually, like I'm, I'm big on, you know, personal responsibility. And like I've had, I've heard the conversation and had the conversation so many times about like millennials and our entitlement and all of these different things. And I think that like, I find it really ironic that like most of the people who are having the conversation around like how entitled millennials are, are not really engaging with millennials about like our positions, our expectations, you know, and like the broader society that we live in and the way that we have framed, you know, sort of our thinking around like how we, how we navigate life. Because like I told, like I had a conversation with my mom once and my mom's like, she's not really, I mean, she's on the tail end of, um, she's not really a boomer, but she's like at the top end of generation X. So my dad's a boomer. My mom is like in that middle ground. Yes. But I basically almost put her in the boomer category because you know, she's been with my dad since she was like young. So she has, you know, adopted or co-opted a lot of those similar sorts of, you know, constructs around like how life works and things like that. And I remember having a conversation with her once and we were, and she had come home from work and I guess someone at, someone at her job was having a conversation about how terrible millennials are. And she came home and she was like telling us about ourselves, like not in a rude way, but like she was just, you know, my family's big on talking. So we were having a conversation around it. And, and I sat there and I said, okay yeah mommy but like how about this 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 and that and i was just bringing like clear concrete examples of like things that have changed in our society not even things about like our personality traits or anything like that like just like things that have changed in our society and i say now like you look at that situation and you tell me what you would have made of it and like that is what kind of got her to see where i was coming from on these issues and i was like see that's more what should be happening in real life like boomers should and I'm sorry, I hated, I brought up boomers, but you know, boomers be the, the main ones complaining about millennials. So we got to go there. It's okay. Cause our parents <laughs> are, are, a lot of us, our parents are baby boomers. So in a way we're kind of like, Hey mom, you hey know dad. That was Val, not me. That was not me. <laughs> Brandon's like, listen, mom, I have nothing to do with this. I love my mom. I'm just saying, I love my I mean, mom. I mean, I love my mom too. And, and I'm for, I'm very but, fortunate. But, <laughs> this is love. I'm saying, and but I'm very fortunate that like, I also have. You know, my mother's also very progressively yes. minded. She's open to discussion. My family in general is is a very is very big on dialogue, is very big on like having these kinds of discussions. What type of black family is this? I know it's amazing. This is love. What? This is love right <laughs> it's here. Love, you know, I mean I'm not gonna say that there's not lectures and, and stuff that's like, you know, sort of infused in there, but for the most part we have honest dialogue all the time. And like that that was like one of the big things that I realized was like if if boomers or generation x or whoever whatever generations ahead older than us even the silent generation though they're called the silent generation for a reason because they don't say say much about what's going on in society right now you know if they engaged in an honest and authentic way with millennials around like how society has changed and what that means for us and how we navigate moving forward like that would be more constructive than, than just telling us that we're all a bunch of like entitled little nitwits that cry too much you know like because i feel like that has been the messaging since like we graduated from high from undergrad oh my gosh like you're just so much more interested in what's happening on instagram than following what's happening in the world news we're narcissistic and, and like it's just like but like look at the world that we live in right now and like tell me how you would do it differently because these things didn't exist when y'all were young y'all didn't have internet y'all didn't have you know it wasn't like people were constantly concerned about what's going on and everybody they could creep on the low without time. having tmz exactly like they could really like live Shout out to life. Tristan thompson they could, <laughs> they could really make mistakes they could really like pull themselves up by them by their bootstraps in like in a real way not to not to like cast aside the the impact of other you know more significant yeah. cultural or systemic issues but like in a sense like if it costs you two thousand dollars to go to college for a semester, don't tell me nothing about being entitled when I have $10,000 in college student loan debt because 20, 30, I wanted to go, yeah, you know, for a 40, semester. 10000 oh, Well, you know, I, I'm doing I don't know. Days, I was trying I to be conservative because I was like, I don't know if everybody nope. was on some, like, $20,000 a year or whatnot. So oh, no. Let, Wait, let a year <laughs> or just all together? No, let's just... 
let's just tell a real let's tell, <laughs> I, let's tell a real account. So I'll tell my account right. and I'll tell another account of oh, someone Jesus. that I have I know personally, right? Lord so Jesus. I'm like, how how so are we getting y'all my spill account, all my tea? No, I, I'll spill tea. But hey. My account you is clean it up because it's my apartment, I'm just saying. So so my account is, you know, Go to UCF. Tuition at the time wasn't that expensive, but I one of the cheapest and most affordable colleges in the yes. nation at the time. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes, and you know I did decide to you know do the the college experience and live away from home for one year, but oh, yeah, came that's out what got you. came out with about you know about ten thousand in student loans. Anyway, that was just me. You know, I mean if now hear, if I, my uh, yeah we can hear that next. My cousin, you know, went to HBCU, came out with. I want to say like about six figures in yeah. student loan debt. I can't. I can't either. Tyrone came out. No. Tyrone was he no. was okay. Anybody <laughs> No. No 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 no. Was it was was Tyrone that missions person that was at at that college? What? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, but yeah, you know, you you go to school, you come out with six figures of student loan debt, and like you work a minimum wage job until you can get an air quotes real job, which air quotes doesn't really happen, and now you end up working like three different side hustles on the side. You better work at the pyramid. And then you go to a job that doesn't want to pay you money. You know, they don't want to pay you your fair wages. They don't understand what your what your you know personal financial responsibilities are because as far as they're looking at it, you don't own a home, you don't own this, you you know, but, you don't own that. But let's look at why. But like so right, you have to you have to look at why. When you guys talk about I remember reading the article about millennials and their avocado toast and it was like, Yeah, but you guys are still ignoring like the larger systemic issue of like most of us are not making wages enough to be able to buy homes so you actually buying avocado toast <laughs> so you all know that i'm i'm pretty calculated in everything that i do and out of college of course i think i'm actually still like 30k plus in debt and mm-hmm. it, the needle hasn't really moved that much but mm-hmm. my first year out of college i ended up working at a federal bank in the loan department because i was thinking i already knew i was going to move to new york city mm-hmm. so i was thinking strategically okay i didn't i didn't go to like a top top school right right i worked two three jobs so my grades did kind of slip but they were still pretty decent so i'm like all right what is going to help make my resume look good mm-hmm. that's going to make it look good so i took the job coming out of college making like twenty five thousand dollars because i knew once i got to new york that that was going to be one of the strong selling points for me to go and say hey well i've done this i've done this mm-hmm. and then it actually really, really did help so it was my it was more kind of like all right i'm going to take this l right now because i'm going to get a w in the long run, mm-hmm. and I mean, almost four years later, I'm still here in New York City. I'm working for, I'm not gonna say the name, but I'm working for like a huge corporation, financial institution. So I mean, I can't really say that my decision making was bad at that point. But that's the thing. I think a lot of us have had to be strategic, and I and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But then when you're looking at the literature that's out there, the media literature that's like, oh millennials don't stay at jobs for more than two years. It's like, okay, hello, I have to be strategic. Like if I have certain like outcomes that I'm trying to get out of life you know I want to be able to buy a home one day I want to be able to you know travel because yes for millennials travel is important deal with it you know work-life balance is important for us traveling deal with over it. ownership of, of, of things no no not necessarily over it but like I you think know, that's what it's, it is it's also something it that's like incorporated into our values it's a value that's included. it is incorporated into our values mm-hmm. so it's like where some of our parents might be like well you get a job you buckle down you work there for 30 years you get a pension well first of all we don't even know if that's going to happen anymore oh no pensions like, let's go. pension social security what well, social is going to be done before we You're retire no, no, oh no, definitely before we retire it's not a possibility so like that's the thing that's like when we have the conversation or when we're confronted with like media representations of us it's like you guys are not even giving a fair a fair like evaluation of like what it is that like millennials <laughs> are going like, through or like confronted with before we can even com- have a conversation about what we do yes and you i know? think what i'm what i'm hearing from this conversation for me is i firmly believe that we need to think about one how our current situation in society affects both millennials and baby boomers right. and how we can both have a conversation on how we're going to come to a solution on how we're both going to navigate because let's be real so let's get let's get real we're both in the same economy so we have people who are an older generation maybe they're not baby boomers maybe they're generation x or another generation 
who maybe you have gotten a, a really excellent job and you stayed there for 10 years. But guess what? That job is going to downsize. Maybe you need to learn how to, you know, pick up a side hustle or a business or something That's from your millennials from us, that are right. doing that we can help you on because that job that you're, that you are, that's so cushy for you, that was cushy for you is not, is no longer. They are outsourcing but I don't see that, that happening. The importance of work-life balance. Like when you're talking about boomers that have invested 20, 30 years with these companies and then like, yeah, all of a sudden this company goes under or they downsize and now you've you've given up 20 30 years of of like enjoying your life and really living it and growing you know expanding yourself beyond just like your work life yeah that's also a loss so that's something but on the flip to even scandalize a little bit (laughs) on the flip there there is something that i think even we as millennials can learn from them in terms of how they uh, have this ability to stay with something for 20 years. I mean, this level of commitment that they have to a job, we can then apply that to our commitment to our businesses and the things that we want. So we need to literally have this, the same thing you said earlier, Val, we need to be having this conversation But what is that conversation going to do? Because most of the boomers are either retired or they're about they're to retire. So yeah. The baby boomers, yes. The baby boomers. So they, they don't really they have care the privilege of not being too much about us anymore. Ah, but, but, you know, not all baby boomers are getting ready to retire because let me tell you something. There, both, are a lot not, of, not, there are a lot of people in their 60s who are still working. Well, but some of, I think some of that is also optional. Like, for instance... I do know people who do retire from their job and then they'll get they'll get something to just be around people maybe if they're single or maybe if their mm-hmm. husband or wife is are, are is dead sometimes they'll do that just and stay active. yeah and I'll do that I I, I do yeah. see people who do that as well like I, I know like my mom like my mother she's 60 and she's actually about to retire and then she's telling me how she's gonna try to manage how to still stay on that that same type of living income mm-hmm. versus not working anymore but I mean she's gonna have to find something to do. My dad, my stepdad actually retired early, I think in his 50s, and he had to do something because mm-hmm. for someone to be working that much and then to stop, and then to just stop. Yeah. it's it's not That's good. That's true. Like my grandmother, yeah. um, I mean, my grandmother's not a boomer. She's, I'm pretty sure she's considered silent generation. But um, when she when she retired a few years ago, it was a, a very similar thing. Like my grandmother, as she is, is just a very active, on-the-go type of yeah. woman. So there was no way that she was going to stop working and then just slow down completely. Right. So she had to find things to fill I mean, there's enough time, TV on. Like you activities. got Maury, yeah. Jerry Springer. Uh, my grandmother won't sit in front of the TV for nothing. Judge Judy, <laughs> Judge Joe <laughs> Brown. I guess, I guess what I'm, I guess where I'm coming, what I'm saying is just the same way that, like, millennials' lives look very different, I think the lives of the baby boomers and generations ahead of us are looking very different and I think we all need to like but then I think about those tactics that's where we can all use I think that like I I really push this this idea I guess you could this I guess you could say this idea of like empathy amongst the older generations like yes, yes maybe maybe millennials do need to be more empathetic towards boomers and vice versa and vice versa but like I really feel like when we're talking about like engage in authentic engagement with boomers it's like we really need to sit down and and have a real discussion about what our society looks like right now and how and how we navigate that at each of our different life stages yes. and like and then boomers need to be comfortable with understanding or at least trying to understand the millennial perspective and the the millennial experience because like i said like I think for a lot of them, they don't have an immediate understanding of it because all they get is like media and pop culture buzzwords about millennials. Millennials this, millennials that, and it's always negative, right? But then when you sit down and you have a conversation with your mother or your father who are a boomer and you like really tell them like, you guys have been, you have experienced, you know, the recession. You have experienced the after effects of that. Now, what does it look like for us coming into the world in, in these times, you know what I mean? Like, what, the recession was in 2008. We were fresh out of high school, going into college. Ooh, student, loan de- student loan debt skyrockets. You know what I mean? Like, let's have a real too. conversation about that. Like, this is all the shit that, like, we were, excuse me, I don't know if we can cuss on here, yeah. but, like, this is all the stuff that we were, like, <laughs> handed. So we need to have a real conversation about, like, how we how we can like understand each other, I guess. Yeah, Even being if we realistic. can't work together, but like really understand being each other and where we're coming about. from. Because it's like, you know, the whole conversation about like staying at a company for 20 years, like, yeah, on the one hand, I'm like, 
I would love to have loyalty to a company for 20 years, but I'm also like with the society that we are in, most millennials are not thinking like that. We're thinking, I need to have my business and oh. run my business well, for, first 20, of all, for 20 startup. years, exactly. You know, because yes. I'm not going to work for somebody else's dream and somebody else's yes. vision for 20 years, especially yes. when I come out the gate and they don't want to pay me pay me fair wages. You want to know where the exactly. best companies are to work? Startups. Dun, well, dun, but then you also have you also have to kind of take that, that risk because the startup might not be there in a couple years. Uh, that is, there's there's a, a slight risk. It depends right? on what type of startup you're talking about because certain it, it, startups will give you an incentive of they'll give you stock options and right. other perks versus so actual in income income workers. And, and maybe I, and I know Virginia, oh, okay, she feels some type of way because <laughs> I'm ready. No, I'm only because I've been on both. I've worked for the big corp, bigger corporations. And I've worked at startups. And she did air quotes, by the way. Currently, currently work, currently work at a startup right now. So my experience has been number one recently, and I know it's only been like two, but startups tend to really invest in their employees, you know, because they understand the importance of retention. I'm not trying to come for big corporations, but I kind of am. You know, they understand. You know, if you treat your if you treat your employees right, they will stay. And then on top of that, if you have someone that treats you right, they will help you build your vision. Mm-hmm. If I'm at a job, I'm just thinking for myself, if I'm at a job where I have unlimited vacation, my health benefits Wait, are not Wait, you got unlimited vacation? Let's not talk about what? it. <laughs> <laughs> if I have unlimited vacation, my health benefits are God on damn. point. You know, I'm making a livable wage. Where I'm going? Where am I going? That's what I'm saying. So now, no, 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 they do have longer mandates for vacation time, like time away from work, holidays, especially because which any company, any company has a bit a busy season and a slower season. So of course you want to be mindful of that. Be but mindful, be considerate. But the general thing is the World Cup about to stop, about to start. So I, I know like during in certain countries when the games are on, they shut the city down and everyone's just kind of watching the city, watching the games. I mean it's just quiet. And when they win. I mean, this whole, this whole construct mm-hmm. that, like, we are supposed to work, like, five days out of the week, like, it's a very American construct in a lot of ways, you know, it's it's part of, like, this larger capitalist machine that we're a part of, and, you know, so it's, like, that's how we can have conversations and, like, know that, like, and, and because we've traveled <laughs> and we've seen some things, you know, <laughs> that's pew, how, pew, pew, shots fired out. Okay, so I don't care what nobody says. My vacations matter. Um, <laughs> but it's not unlimited. That. It's not unlimited vacations hashtag though. That okay, my vacations matter. But it's like when you go to other parts of the world, you really like you're able to expand your mind into understanding that like this notion that like you're supposed to sit down at a desk, you know, air quotes, eight hours a day, five days tips a week. Hips be tight in the motherfucker too. Yeah, at minimum, prosper in life is a farce. Like, it's not real, you know, because in other parts of the world, that's just, just not really the case. You know? I would love that. I would love it if America would introduce siestas. Can I go home and take a nap for two hours, please? please? Have you guys been here, like, reading all these articles about the, the teacher strikes? Because teachers have been trying to strike because I mean, I haven't heard anything recently, but teachers are always yes. on strike. Because a couple different, a couple different states. Yes. Because some of the teachers are saying that we want to we wanna teach, like, we love to do it, but we can't actually yes. afford to teach oh no live. absolutely yes. because what's happening mm-hmm. is like it used to be back in the day i have a couple of like really close friends that are teachers so they tell me things all the time but it used to be back in the day that like at least your school would like invest in your materials and supplies like it's become increasingly the case that like a lot of schools have cut that out of the budget entirely right. so that means that teachers are literally decorating their entire classrooms buying all of their materials out of pocket but mind you you don't want to pay them no chalk no teachers you Yo, know what I mean? Like, hey, Arnold, remember that episode? You remember yeah. that episode? They went straight. <laughs> no, chalk, no, teachers. <laughs> so I was like, come no, on. No, but seriously, it's really ridiculous. It's really ridiculous. And then this is like, like that's the thing. Like, guys, it's, let's be real. Let's be honest. We're about fire about this subject. Woo. I tell you, <laughs> the millennial conversation gets me every time. We see how the systems don't work the way that they used to work. And if they are working the way that they used to work, it doesn't work with you know, the values of, like, our generation of people. Like, I'm sorry. So it's just, like, 
can we really can we please please have a conversation that's actually about like how we do this the right way if there is such a right way because the way that y'all was telling us (laughs) our entire lives does not work and that's why y'all are mad at us because we don't want to do what y'all prescribe to be the right thing to do and yes okay we can say i am talking to the boomers in the room right now okay because I like to confront the boomers because the boomers like to confront us. But you Don't know, come like, for me. <laughs> come for me all day. It's okay. I'm ready. Are they gonna listen to this podcast? They're not. Did probably they, not. Did they, did they know how to turn on the podcast? Probably not. Was that I really doubt did it. Did I just throw shade? So and and, and I'm not <laughs> podcasting is definitely more of a millennial thing. And I'm not really sure if the number I'm not really sure if the data will show more for Generation Z, which is the generation behind us, but oh, can we? And can I just say real quick? Can y'all please stop confusing Generation Z with millennials because they are not millennials oh, in the that's slightest. True. You know what? You they make, are not. You please make stop a confusing valid them point. Like, yeah, let's talk about that. You make a valid point, Val, because let me tell you, I think uh, a lot of people in the baby boomer generation are confused about how old millennials actually are. We're right. not nineteen anymore. We're not nineteen. We're like, like thirty years old. Exactly. <laughs> like we're grown grown ass adults. I'm twenty eight. I'm still young. Oh, I don't yeah, know about y'all. Like, I'm 30 in September, guys. Like, let's let's have a real conversation about this. Like, millennials are not these little teeny boppers out here. And there's no disrespect, no shade to the teeny boppers, Generation Z. I don't really understand their generation enough to make any assertions about them. But, like, can we please start I love my nieces and nephews, by the way, if you hear this podcast. I know. I love y'all, too. (laughs) Love y'all. Please stop confusing us with Generation Z. We're not we're not the same generation at all. We have very different values. We have very different ideologies. And I could have separate side conversations about some of the concerns that I have about what Gen Z is coming up in. But like, Whew. let's just let's just keep those issues separate for now because they're not the same thing. That's all I want to say. So there is <laughs> so there's actually an article that I sent to Virginia, and it's on Box.com. I think if you actually Google it, you can just type in baby boomers, millennials, but it actually just kind of like paraphrase what the conversation was talking about. It was actually talking about how it's actually the boomers who have actually made the economy how it is now because they've had the longest term of prosperity in terms of economic wealth building. If you think about the boom in, in America, 80s, 90s, just so much money, things are just like mm-hmm. unregulated to the point to where it's not now. And it kind of highlights to how they weren't really thinking about us in terms of setting up for the future. So then we're kind of cleaning up their mess and and, and, and trying mm-hmm. to kind of look at this like huge thing of debt that we have to kind of fight back, not just as student debt or yeah, like not student debt, but just how much we owe as a, as, as like a, a country like America in general yeah. because of overspending selfishness and it's like at that point you're kind of looking at us and trying to blame us for your mistakes. I mean, the thing is, like, I I struggle with this, too, because, like, oftentimes when I'm engaging in conversations around this, it does come across as a finger-pointing conversation. Yeah. Because it's just, like, and it's, in in, in honesty, it's mostly reactionary, because when you have all these media sources that are essentially casting casting aspersions at, at millennials and saying that, like, everything that is wrong with American society right now is, like, our fault somehow, it, it, you, you know, we can't help but, like, turn the nozzle back around and be like, hey, look at yourself, you know? So, <laughs> so like, it, it's hard because I, I'm not necessarily a fan of having the finger-pointing conversation, but it's like when we look at the facts, baby boomers, like, we're not trying to, like, demonize you guys, but we're also, like, take some accountability. You know, the same way that you guys want us to take accountability for, like, our, our contribution to the way that society is functioning at this time, which... I think is more limited than you probably really acknowledge. You guys need to actually have a real conversation about accountability too, because like we understand like during the time, during the boomers, like golden era, I guess you could say probably in like the sixties and the seventies, there was a lot of progressive change that was taking place. There was a lot of things that were being moved, pushed forward. And so you guys ended up with this amazing prosperity after the fact probably and it's probably goes way deeper than i even understand well, the article admit that the article also elaborates how by 1995 was when pretty much the whole everything in washington in terms of like senate congress mm-hmm. all millennials so they pretty much run they make all the decisions and 
and then we've kind of seen how oh, the bureaucracy. Boomers, boomers, boomers. Yes, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. So we kind of seen how the bureaucracy in this country and but that's what I'm saying. Misuse like, of funds, all these type of things. While we're growing up, that's yeah. that's yeah. Seen that we this get out. tremendous yeah. shift. But at the same time, it's like, I think that in some ways, like not on an individual level, but maybe we could say like generationally or as or collectively, like boomers have had kind of gone into, you know, shaping the society rather selfishly because they it didn't seem like they really considered like what would happen after their reign ends. Well, no, they didn't. Because it's like, why the hell, excuse my French, but like, why do we have a 60 something year old, you know, white woman in America running for president in twenty in twenty seventeen or twenty sixteen. Like why why is it that the two national front runners for the president of the United States were in their late sixties and seventies? Like that's unheard of. Like can y'all like let the reins go and hand down the, you know, the freaking spear or the whatever the shit is called at this point. We like, did have a forty year torch pass the torch. We did have a younger person in office. This. Yes, we did. Yes, yes, in the past. We saw that turn. That's out. what I'm saying. Like when <laughs> when we're talking about. No, not 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 in a bad way. I'm just saying it, it's a lot of stress, a lot of responsibility, a lot of pressure. It's a lot of stress, a lot of responsibility. But I think that like really the for me the fact that we had boomer runners in 2016 was like for me a last ditch effort at like maintaining a certain level of power and control in this country because it's like how do we go from having a 40 something year old president who is like progressively minded and tries to make all these changes and mind you was like fought damn near the whole way oftentimes by boomers you know and we're not going to get into partisan politics but like if we really look at (laughs) yeah we weren't we're not going to do it but like if we really look at like not today at least (laughs) who those people were that were making it hard for him you know what I'm saying? That's my president for life. You know what I'm saying? But like, we look really look well, at that. It's probably a trend there. There's probably a pattern. That's I, all I'm saying. I'm not gonna say who's who. No, I'm just gonna say it's probably guess, a pattern. <laughs> I guess I've been kind of silent. I've been letting you all talk to kind of gather my thoughts here. Yeah. And I think a, what I would like to see is, and you know, I, I don't really get into politics that much, so y'all can clock me if you need to. <laughs> but I would like to see people running for office who have the general, uh, I guess, well-being of America at large at heart, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know who that looks like. I don't don't know know what that that looks like. that might not look like millennials. Right? Might look like a kid named Millie. You know, I don't know what that looks like, but that's what I would like to see. And I I don't know if, um, you know, someone who's in their 60s and 70s will have that perspective. I don't know if it's someone who's in their 30s and 40s will have that perspective. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, as long as you can do a good job within those eight years, great. You know what I mean? But the term good job is or very fourth. subjective. So, you know, that's a very broad statement to make. I guess for me, I guess because I'm so solution-oriented, solution just like you, Val, mm-hmm. it's like I often don't even have the answers for the questions that I ask. Yeah. Right? Like, why are we... I mean, we... like, none of us really do, right? We're, we're all yeah. taking shots in the dark. Yeah. And, and we're theorizing about things that we have observed in our lives, you know? But then we're also, like, that's the other thing. Just because we're theorizing about it doesn't mean that it doesn't have any validity. I want to make that clear. Because oftentimes the things that we are saying are based on factoids. It's based on the, the, the numbers and like we're doing a real analysis of like what is going on in the world around us. So like, yeah, it may seem like it's coming out of nowhere because a lot of times it's like we are, we're theorizing. We don't really know, but here's what we, here's what we see. Here's what we do know. And here's our position yeah. on it. Like that's, it's like, worth, that's all I can It's think worth about. having an analytical and logical conversation versus assertions based on feelings and generalizations and let's and let's i I guess kind of throw this in there that we're still young we're still growing we're still learning Mm -hmm. as people and i think with social media which is will will be the death of all of us but (laughs) that is that is our downfall it is absolutely that is our downfall i think with that and i think how we see things we try to think that oh if i'm not making 70 80 90 Three hundred thousand dollars by the time before I'm thirty, I'm a failure. And I'm a, like I'm I'm not successful, but that's actually not how it happens. That's not how it happens. Most at people all. don't. Most people who are successful today don't get successful till, until they're in their thirties. Twenties is more of that grind period. Find out like it's who you are. Game. Yes, you're, you're not even in the game but yet. Then, but then what happens is the media will pick out outliers and they'll try to make it seem that if you're not doing this at this age, you're a failure. 
You suck. Yeah. Go in a corner and die. But that's not how it is. See, but then, then, then you can, how do you say we're entitled? You set the expectation, and then when we have the expectation, we're entitled. You know what I mean? Like, think about it. Like, you set the expectation. You tell us that, like, we should be aspiring to this. This is what we should have if we do X amount of work, you know, because you guys like to make it seem so formulaic. I'm talking about society in general. I'm not talking about boomers at this time. But, like, you know, society likes to make it seem like success is formulaic. You do A plus B, you get Y result. Like, whatever the case may be. And like it's just it, that's not real life. We we realize that like we have we we had to come to the hard realization that that's not real life. And let's not also act a, act act as if that the world is not shrinking in terms of population size because there's there's more people than ever before. So mm-hmm. that means that there's less for us to consume. And I mean that's I mean that's a basic like economic thing of how to supply people with resources that we have so we have to kind of fight a little bit more and just be more smart i think it's not about working harder it's about working smart yes and working i think like what i said say that yeah i think that that like probably is like the cornerstone of like millennial millennial thinking mm-hmm. is like i'm gonna work smarter not harder why why, why should i kill myself yeah why walk up the steps why walk up the steps <laughs> yeah. when i can just take the elevator and right. see my knees right. and my legs right it makes more sense it, it does. It makes more sense. And so I I never quite, well, you know, I guess I can't, I guess I can <laughs> kind of understand like the, the animosity that we receive around that because I guess maybe people, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm thinking that like maybe, maybe it comes across as like we don't want to do the hard work of becoming successful, but that's not the case at all because there wouldn't be so many of us that are entrepreneurial if that was the case. What what you I know? yeah so that's a misunderstanding. I think, yes, I, I guess part. I'm really uh, interested in I guess really having a conversation with baby boomers Me around too. this. But is a conversation feel, to just feel, understand or? Well, here's what I'll say. I am always the person. I'm always the person that has conversations in order to be understood. I'm not really a fan of debates. I do it because it's fun and like you know controversial. (laughs) But I have conversations to understand, which is why I tend to be more quiet than speaking because I'm trying Mm -hmm. to understand before I make my point. Mm -hmm. So the conversation that I would want to have with baby boomers is a way to understand their perspective. Uh, hoping that they will understand our perspective and then having some sort of a solution and how we can combine perspectives for a solution. Because I firmly believe in taking the worth ethic of a baby boomer combined with the smarts of a millennial and having a grand master plan. But if we Mm -hmm. don't stop arguing long enough to do this plan, we are done. They started it. Wow. I birth you. I can. T- I put you in this where I can take you out. It. Okay, because there should have been no reason I should have graduated college and seen a Time magazine article dragging us for film. Oh, Y'all started it. Okay. M-G. So I'm just looking at like I, I'm just actually just looking at the numbers as a whole. If we compare numbers, if you look at baby boomers, there's estimated 77 million versus millennials, 92 million. Yeah, that's the other thing that I was like, I, I yeah. was like reading about uh, recently was that like before millennials, and I think that that's a that's a part of the reason why they say like millennials and Generation X bump heads so much, and like why Generation X, even though they're in the middle, they haven't really been part of that conversation so much, was because like I I remember reading that like we are like the two biggest generations, like boomers literally are called boomers because it was like right after like world war two and like people were coming soldiers were coming home and they started settling down and popping out babies like crazy and that's how they had this lot of red wine massive generation of boomers and then now there's hey you know (laughs) the boomers had kids two three at a time now you got the millennials you know yeah (laughs) so i I actually so that's actually another thing i want to actually kind of bring up because if you look at student debt and how we're just unable to get rid of it and relinquish it we're actually less wealthy than our parents were Absolutely. by the numbers oh yeah so with that we are the generation that's known for moving back in or staying with our parents longer mm-hmm. getting married longer yep. not wanting to buy houses yep. like how do you all feel about that because i mean we're all in our third we're, we're, we're close to our 30s i'll be 30 and this year. yeah if you, I, I'm probably same age. I'm guessing mm-hmm. if you think about your parents, your parents were probably already married. Oh yeah. At this oh, age, yeah. had a house, <laughs> had a stable job. You yeah. know, steak was on the table when you got home, ma. You know. Yeah, I will say, I will say this. There's definitely been 
kind of an un, uh, unrealistic expectation on me. I, I mean, probably in most millennials too. You feel pressure? On the timeline at which, well, not anymore, thank goodness. But <laughs> in the timeline at which we should be progressing and making these milestones in our lives. But to be honest, for good reason that we don't have a house right now or that right. we're not, you know, having kids. I mean, imagine being in, uh, you know, well, I graduated uh, college in what 2011 so we're talking about 2014 2015 I would have been what 25 or 26 so well, maybe 24 25 I mean I couldn't have imagined in that economy in the place that I was in my life having a child right and being married right. no thank you like I just got a job that might maybe pay me something more than like $10 an hour <laughs> <laughs> After getting a degree, I'm no right, thank you. Right, right. It would have been more probably feasible if you were still in Florida because the cost of living is different. Oh yeah, and I was yeah. in Florida. The place but then, is slower. But then, like, that's the thing. It's like when we really look. I'm sure, like, it, I don't know. I'm, I'm pulling this out of the air, but I'm I put money on it that there are probably like metrics out there that will, you know, suggest that what I'm saying has some truth to it. You know, when you're looking at like more suburban and rural areas where like your gross income can actually exceed like your expenses <laughs> on right. a reg- like with some ease and there's a little bit of a buffer like you see that like in places like Florida like people will settle down sooner because it's like all right it's a little bit easier to put those things into place to put to create that stability but then like for those those of us that are you know air quote dreamers and who like move to urban areas <laughs> forget that cuz uh last i checked <laughs> you know living in in Brooklyn is like yeah, it's the more amount expensive here than to have a, a house. Room is like damn near paying a mortgage. A mortgage in the South, yes. You know, so yes. it's like, am no. I really in a position like while I'm striving and, and like trying to like create a career and create create a life for myself, like am I really in a position to like slow down yet? No, not really. And I'm looking at it, it actually says that in the 70s, the average age of marriage was 23, but now by the 2010s, the average age is 30 years old. Yeah, so that's yeah. a, I mean, that's a pretty big jump over. I mean, it's, it's 30 years, but that's still a, a nice that's little the dip. Average, yeah, I, there's people older who are getting married. Yeah. People, people younger have to go married. back. People have to go back to school now. They feel inclined to go back and get their masters, yeah. get their JD because. And I, I, I knew, I do know that corporations will pay for, depending on that stipulation, you signing contracts, going back and will pay for it. But people feel that, damn, if I don't have my MBA, that I'm not going to get over that, that hump or get that raise that I want to yeah. get, which is kind of like, damn. That's what I was going to say. I was like, yes. it's obviously systemic when you look at it, because yes. it's like, I bet you money for even when you, if you put the statistics for like when we're getting married, like side by side with like our level of education and all these like kinds of things, it'll probably tell you in a real way, like, you know, we're putting off marriage, we're putting off buying homes because we're literally trying to do everything that we can to make sure that we're able to compete in the society that we've been dealt. Yeah. You know? So it's like, we're going back for our master's degrees or beyond, you know, we're going back and getting professional certifications. We're, we're trying to start businesses, you know, because for a lot of us, it's like, we're, if we can't find stability in these corporate jobs and these big name companies, then like, what's the point of even like staying with them? So it's like all these things have, have made it in my mind, in my opinion, have made it such that like, we haven't really had stable ground to build on. And so we're just still trying to, create that stable ground and we're still coming yes. out of the recession too so that also yeah. has a big big factor yes. on job security and yeah. spending income and and i also will say like, that we're getting better but we're still in trans we're yeah. still in trans you know uh, yeah I, i'll also say that in, as a result of kind of the systemic difficulties it has also affected what we value like yes. our, our values so it's starting to become to the point where you stru- you're struggling trying to you know make enough to buy a house or have a family because that's what you believe is the american dream and then as you're doing it you're like i'm not even happy i'm about to stop this mm-hmm. you know get to know like who i am and what i need to do maybe travel a little bit and you start learning things and you you know now you know we grew up in the age of information and you know having literally anything we want to know at our fingertips when you have that type of power and you know what's out there you start searching for it 
Yeah. You know, I don't think that maybe our parents had that same search, that same search for what else is out there. It literally was just about survival. And I think our, uh, we are trying to survive, but we definitely look beyond just survival. Like we are yes. trying, to thrive. trying to thrive. We're trying to succeed. You know, we're think we're trying to really move and, and do things. So I'm not even no gonna, diss, but that's just how yeah. we are. So I'm not even going to get into this conversation, but I just want to kind of throw this seat out there and maybe someone will catch, someone will catch it. But I'm thinking about boomers and how the effect of the silent generation affected them growing up. Listen, listen you I'm, know, I'm, like I'm, that's I'm, a really I'm, good question. That's a really good question. Because, because I think about that a lot. Because maybe, maybe with the silent generation, they were more focused on go to work, provide. So, yeah. and you're talking about the generation in between us and the baby boomers, correct? When you say silent no, the generation. silent generation is before, is the before our our parents. So it's silent generation, World War Two. Yeah, then there's the boomers, oh, economic, then there's oh, Gen X, and Street, oh, oh my Gen Z. goodness, the Wall Street crash. Yeah. Oh my goodness, people were in soup lines in New York City here, and people were yeah. jumping out of buildings. You know what? And, to be honest with you, I don't even have a real reference for that because my uh my parents weren't even think of the in the states. Until late seventies. Yeah, Think yeah. about the Great Gatsby. So then that means, yeah, true. But then it's like that means that my grandparents were not here until you know. Yeah, like they would technically be part of that generation, but they're also coming from like a very different cultural yes. experience. Like my grandma is definitely a silent generation because they went through that economic hardship of yeah. going to war, and then it was where just many people didn't have anything at all, yeah. and they're getting everything kind of government assistance, and then. They had that mindset of they don't voice their opinions if they're stressed, if they're depressed. Like they don't, so they look at us and people are coming. You know, everyone every every day, someone's coming out and saying I'm depressed or I have this, and they're like, well, we didn't, we don't have time for that. We have to work, we have to provide for our family, mm. make sure the roof is over the head. So I'm kind of thinking like, how does that? Because maybe I'm thinking, and I don't know, maybe I, I never have, gave that maybe, maybe I can ask my parents, but. It seems almost. How did they grow up? So they probably had to figure out a lot of stuff too. And then you're also thinking about the whole racial thing of segregation, integration, and especially in the South, like my parents. See, that's a knowledge over here. parents might have received growing up just because I you know you wonder as a child like how your parents come to be who they are and there was mad propaganda too like, during that time period too yeah so now I'm like that's a, I would like really love to like sit down with like my parents and be like what kind of messaging did you guys but just think about just the, like, if you what just kinds of things were people telling you if you just like, google think about World War One and World War Two. And think yeah. about the, the posters. Like, you can actually yeah. just Google that. So think about that propaganda and, and, and fight for your country and be a hero and come back and, and you'll be loved by everyone. And Very we all think about that iconic picture of the, the sailor who he comes back and he kisses his girlfriend and, you know, she's kind of dipped over. And I'm just mm-hmm. kind of, oh, my gosh. And back then there was no, you know, let me Google it. <laughs> Let me cross the reference. What's yeah, a Google? Very sensational. It was like, very like whatever's in the textbooks and the media and, and that is law. That's literally it. There listen, is no okay. questioning. That's why y'all need to be concerned about net neutrality, okay? Because we're not trying to go back to the dark ages. I'm sorry. I'm gonna get off my pulpit. So I think, I, and, and and you know what? I think that also has to do with when we would ask our our, our parents questions, and they would just tell us, "Why are you asking me this question?" Or it is because it is. Because they didn't really... They, they, that's how they had it. They didn't yeah. grow up with that information from their parents. Oh so it's like, so how can I tell you how this is if we've been taught, we've been through this this system, this society to where we don't question anything. Like yeah. what you're told is what the truth is. We go to church, what the like what the pastor says, this is what it is. So it's like, we can't even really question that. So it's like, you know, if, I, if, if I'm asking my parents about something when I was a kid, if they didn't have that that support system, then how can they actually kind of go into a long conversation with us? Because then mm-hmm. you kind of step on a lot of people's toes at that point. Man, see, and we both over here just shaking our heads like, no, we cannot, I cannot fathom a world in which I cannot question. Like, what? 
I know. That's exactly <laughs> like I'm like I have. I would. I, but we, we question uh, everything. Right, we over here like... But we question everything. Everything we question. We question everything. Everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, that's, that's, yeah. I think Came almost to the point where it could be looked at as a And our parents we told have, us to. We have answers at our fingertips constantly, okay? Like, what you mean? I can't find the answer to that. I have to go by your word. Back then Please. it was the Bible. Nah. <laughs> but then sometimes I'm, I'm always I'm always a little skeptical when I'm able to Google something and find the results so quickly because I'm also thinking about who put that out there. Oh yeah, and I who read things who, multiple and who, times. And who, oh, and who allowed cross reference? And who allowed that information? I will, I will intentionally find things that are counter to what I'm reading, just to kind of see what the what the counter argument is for like whatever it is that I'm reading about. Um, and that's always something that I've been interested in because I've always had like a long-standing interest in like obscured stories, obscured history, obscured perspectives. So it's like if, the, if you see this one particular perspective that is just like always at the forefront, I'm like, okay, so what are they saying on the other side? But that's just me because I don't trust America. But then at the same time, <laughs> at the same time when people like... are, at the same time when people are all kind of, oh my gosh, we don't trust Facebook. I'm, I'm thinking... Do you like actually understand when you sign up for apps that you are actually giving permission to all of these companies to use your credit card information, your social security information, proprietary information? So any of in, like. <sighs> anyway, well, this is, yeah, listen, it's loaded. Look, that's now. a load. <laughs> that's that's a whole now. other podcast. Look now. And I don't own. even feel like we actually even really touch the surface because there's so many different directions that we can go on. It's, this is such a deep topic. It's Very true. Such a deep, deep even topic, if we, topic. I think, even if we got off of just the topic of boomers and just concentrated on millennials as a whole, we have enough like meat and potatoes just to talk about relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, that like that dynamic in itself is just very interesting. How and especially in New York, I from me being here for about four and a half, like four years, it just seems that people this age range they are not really looking to settle down because it's more about I came here to work to advance to get into my career. So it's not even thinking about marriage. And this is what I kind of try to tell people of my family that are in the south, and they kind of look at me and they oh. But are you dating anyone? It's a different and mindset out yes. here. Yes, we're all we are grinding out yes. here. Yes, okay? New York is just always like it's. There's Listen. always someone new. There's always more fish in the sea. I am trying to get my money. Are you getting I'm your saying, money? Even that's like what I'm saying, like even if when she, I'm not gonna because I'm like I'm definitely not gonna say it's not possible. Even if those of us you know millennials who who like live in major urban centers like wanted to settle down. I think that, like, I see us probably, like, finding partners and then putting those kinds of, like, big decisions off a little bit because I think that, like, those of us who move to urban centers are often... It's a particular mindset, you know? It's like we are very concerned with, like, finding our, our, our you know, path and building our legacy. And, you know, a lot of us that move to these areas, like, we don't move to these areas for the glamour and the style. Like, okay, yeah, it's New York City, but, like, uh... Let's remember that there's New York money City here. is like hella expensive now. <laughs> like we are not struggling for no reason. We're struggling because like we have a vision and we have, you know, a plan and we're trying to see that through. So it's a, I think it really is like a different mindset, a different pace for yeah. those of us who are in like urban city centers. Well, and I how was... I'm sorry. Um and how my shout to Louis Ramos getting married soon um but as he put it he said living and visiting new york city are two different things two very different yes things. what i'll definitely speak to as far as like the, the mindset that that grind work till you die work mindset you die. In, in new york city it's like i always say as someone who's like born and raised in new york lived in the south and then came back there's like different types of new yorkers you have the new yorkers that's been here like born raised will live here will die here not moving there is nothing else mm-hmm. and then you have you know the the new yorkers who have been other places and are choosing to live here yeah and it it's back two, around two it's two totally different mindsets and it's that like i've true. i've i've definitely came ac- come across people who live here who are settle- settling down because they think well new york is home there is nothing else right. i'm not leaving and then you have the New Yorkers who are here. It's like, I came here for a vision. I'm here. I'm about to build something from the ground up. It's, it's my time. It's prime time. It's grind time. Yep. You know, it's Both like. Those of us that have migrated, migrated yeah. for a reason. Yep. So, All different right. breeds. Yeah. So, I feel like, because the conversation on millennials is Wrapping so deep. And I know we yeah, are. I'm like exhausted. We are. 
throwing a lot of shade at the boomers on this. Like, Wait, wow, no, 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 baby. correction, correction. <laughs> I did not throw any shade at the boomers. I threw loving shade, okay? It was I, threw, I threw accountability shade. That was all Valerie. Like, that was all Valerie. I will accept it. It wasn't petty, though. It was, it was, it was loving, authentic, truth-based shade. I think we had a good balance, you know? We had a good balance. But like, like I said, you know, because I realized that, like, we could admit that this was, like, in some ways an imbalanced conversation. Like, maybe the next time we can have a conversation about like millennials and like personal responsibility and the things that we have learned and that we are, we are learning that we need to change as a generation. But like, yeah, other than that, I think we, uh, <laughs> we, we encapsulated it. Uh, I think pretty well. Yeah. At least the, like the major top line issues around like millennials and the propaganda about like how terrible we are. Basically the message I got is, Millennials will not pipe down. Put some respect on our names. <laughs> Put some respect <laughs> on our That's names. That's what I heard. Millennial, this is a very... Told that nigga pipe on. <laughs> this is a very <laughs> very hardworking, very hardworking class, but I've, I've been saying this. Actually, there's two, there's two points. I've been saying this since I actually moved here. I do feel that if you're young, I feel that you should go to a big city to see what that is like. If you're from... Oh, yeah. I always tell people who are from Florida, Texas... Wherever, go to a big city and see if you like it and just get that experience, number one. Number two, I'm always thinking, how is this generation going to look when we're in our 50s and 60s? That's going to be so interesting. Hilarious. Because I think it's going to be hilarious. hilarious. Face tattoos. <sighs> we're going to be hilarious. Yeah. I'm going to be eccentric as hell. I, already I say know. all the time. I'm like, I'm going to be one of we're those definitely a druggy generation. older women. We're definitely a druggy generation. I mean, but so are the boomers, so boop. <laughs> oh like yeah i'm i i would be interested to see it i think a lot of us are going to be really really out there how many of us will still be alive though i hope we're alive i mean i think we'll be alive but i don't think a lot of people will go make it to the 60s and 70s i think i think of Would our you, generation? Yeah. I oh yeah. Smooth ninety years. Excuse you. <laughs> I think though. I think once you get in those those late thirties and forties, all that partying is gonna catch up, and you're gonna be like, "Woo!" These. I boys. mean, some of us didn't party that hard. Yeah, I'm just some saying, of us were really, you know? really responsible. I still Unfortunately, I saw it hit my peak yet. We, we believed in the dream. We believed uh, in I still the vision that was sold to yet. us. I should have partied. I'm thinking should've about party. 35. 35 should have been out year. here when I was 19. Okay. 35, I'm be feeling like 21 in this bed. <laughs> Jessica, you got it right, okay? <laughs> Shout out to Jessica. My, my uh, 20-year-old cousin. All right, so I think we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. We have about a good hour. All right, cool. So until next time, peace.